Welcome to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel, Inglewood. Today on A Transforming Word. If you're not getting what you desire from the marriage, do you still got to love her? What if she's not doing her part? Do you still got to love her? But she's not submitting to my leadership. Do you still got to love her? Yes, period. I like to say it like this. The husbands love your wife, period. Right? No matter what's going on, no matter how she's behaving, things are going well or not going well, you're being treated good or not. You're, this is God's call upon your life. Love her, period. And it's a need that she has. She needs to be loved in this way. All right, men, listen up. Pastor Bill is talking to you today. If you're married, how would your wife answer this question? Does your husband love you? And if so, how much? If you hesitate for even a second with a response, then Pastor Bill says you're not doing your job. But don't worry, you'll get a crash course today on how to love your wife and be the father to your kids that God expects you to be. After all, God provides you with His example to follow. Love your wife like God loves His church. Now here's Pastor Bill in the book of Colossians chapter 3 as he continues his message, The Christian Family. There are two instances in Scripture where Sarai was submitting to Abraham while he was making bad decisions. It is in Genesis chapter 12 and again in Genesis chapter 20 where Sarai is apparently fine. I've never seen an 80 year old woman that I was like, dang, but apparently at 80 years old, she was so fine. He said, man, when he got to Egypt, he said, they're going to see you and they're going to kill me to take you. That's fine, fine. At 80, I just, I don't know what she had, what kind of, what she was drinking or what kind of oil she was putting on or whatever. But he came up, he said, look, we're going to say you're my sister. He did this twice. That was a lie. That wasn't true. It was a half lie. You know, she was a, she was kind of, there was a relation there. But anyway, both times God would deliver her without being touched and God would rebuke him and deal with him. And so I believe if a wife will submit to her husband as is fitting in the Lord, if he is wrong, God will deal with him. God will deal with your husband. But that is the first step of this marital thing. So wives are to submit to their husbands as is fitting in the Lord. And it says the same thing in Ephesians 5, the same thing in 1 Peter 3 with a little more explanation to it. Here it says, wives submit to your own husbands. And so I, I want to point this out where it says to your own husbands. I found some women are able to submit to a boss at work. Like you'll find a woman that won't submit at home, but it's like you see her at work and it's like, oh, you do know how to submit. You know, you do whatever the boss says. Yes, you, you do it humbly. You do it with a smile. Some women are willing to do for a paycheck, you know, what they're not willing to do because God said so. Be careful of that. It says to your own husbands. So that's women don't submit to all men, only to your own husband. If you are unmarried and you have a boyfriend, do you have to submit to him? No. If he puts a ring on your finger and says, I'm going to marry you soon, I promise, real soon, uh, do you have to submit to him? No, not until there's a wedding day, not until the wedding day. Uh, until that day, he has no authority, no power. Now, I should say this to the women, though. This is to all you unmarried women. Since it'll become part of your walk with the Lord as a Christian wife to submit to your husband, as you evaluate you know, rather or not, you will pursue a relationship with a man. You have to look at that man and say, could I submit to this guy? Like, is this a guy? Would it be good for me spiritually to submit to this guy? 
Does he have a prayer life? Can he read the word? Does he read with understanding? Does he make good decisions? Is God directing his life now? Like, is this a guy I could submit to? That should be a major concern for a single Christian woman. If there's a guy that's coming after you or is wanting to talk to you about a relationship, you want to look right there and just say, man, is this somebody that I can see myself submitting to in the future? And if not, then you shouldn't even consider. So could you consider a non-Christian man? Nope. Could you consider a man that say he, he's a Christian in name only, but there ain't no evidence of a walk in his life? No, because now that dude's going to be making all the decisions in your household. He don't even got a prayer life. He just got a cool car or whatever it is, you know. So, you know, so consider these things so that you make wise decisions. Now, here's the thing, ladies. Let's say you meet a guy and he loves the Lord and you're watching his life and saying, man, this guy is making wise decisions. He prays about stuff before he doesn't just do things. He prays first. He makes wise decisions that that might be a brother to give the time of day. That might be a brother to, to say, you you can call me. We we could go out for coffee, sir. We could. Would you pray for me? You know, um, that that would be good. You know, I would I would even say this in relationships, ladies, as you're feeling your way around a relationship, I would ask him, hey, pray about this and let me hear what you get from the Lord. Let's see what the relationship is like. What are they hearing from God? Those are great things to establish. Last thing is that because men are, we'll talk about men in just a moment, are called to lead and women are called to submit to them. This doesn't mean that women don't bring something valuable to the table, right? Because what did God say about Adam? I'm going to make him a what? That means that, a, a, that means that we need help. So a wife submitting does not mean that she doesn't bring value, doesn't mean that she doesn't come with insight. Submission doesn't mean silence. Right. I've been married to my wife for 23 years and my wife submits to my leadership. But you guys got to know that my wife has tons of input. Right. There's some things that there's angles that she sees things from that I don't. I would be a fool to, to not tap into the help that's available through my wife. You understand that? So that so submission doesn't mean that you don't bring something to the table, that you don't have value, that you don't have things to say. It means that at the end of the day, you submit to their leadership. I'm going to give an example from my own life. I, again, in 23 years of marriage, I'm going to ask my wife this. How many times has it been like a foot down? You got to submit. How many times in 23 years? I know. I know you can show it on one hand. Put your hand up. All right. She put up two. I could think of three, but we'll go with the two. So in 23 years of marriage, right? I just want to be clear with submission isn't. Submission isn't about what we get for dinner. I don't go home and say, woman, I said chicken and get out. You know, that's, that's not what, that's not my authority is not for that. And that she's not submitting to that, right? It's always has to do with the spiritual direction of my family. Uh, the first such move was a move from one church to another church. And God spoke to me, but she didn't think he had spoke to her. But in reality, he had spoke to her because he told her to submit to me. But I wasn't going to say that. But I just let the Lord deal with that as time went on. But, you know, she came. She came. She, she It was a little stank, you know, but she bodily submitted. Her heart caught up after a while, you know. So I give her credit. She came. She submitted. My point is this. Submission is not, it's not some daily thing. I don't dominate. My wife, she's not kept under. That's not what it looks like. When you think of submission, think of Jesus in the church and think of how Jesus lovingly led the church. Cause we're getting ready to talk about the husbands and the church was always best when it submitted to his leadership. Amen. And so wives submit to your husbands. Again, it says to your own husbands, not your boyfriend, not your fiance as is fitting in the Lord. Verse 19. Now we look at the husbands, all right? It says husbands, 
love your wives and do not be bitter towards them. Now, in two of the three places that address the husband's relationship with the wife, they're told to love. Here it says, husbands, love your wives. Then we'll come later on and talk about not being bitter, but it says for them to love their wives. In Ephesians 5, it says for the husbands to love their wives, to love your wife like you love yourself, assuming that you do love yourself because everybody does. And so over in 1 Peter 3, the husband is told to dwell with them with understanding and honor them as a weaker vessel so that their prayers are not hindered. But here, husbands, love your wives. What does this mean? Why? How does it work? First of all, what love is not. Love is not flowers. Love is not an emotion. Love is not something you feel. Everybody agree? Everybody understand that? Love is not a feeling. It's not an emotion. It's not like so when people say, I just don't feel. Can that? Love is something that you're completely in charge of. Love is a action and it's something you choose to do. So God is saying, husbands, because of the role that you have in the marriage, because you're the leader, you represent me. You must. This is a command, not a not a consideration. You must love your wife. Now, because love is active and the word that's used for love here is the agapeo. So it's just, this is the, the kind of love that Jesus loves with, right? This is a selfless, giving, sacrificial, even if I don't get anything in return, not looking for anything in return type of love. So when God says, husbands, love your wife, he says, look, this is, this is to be your ongoing relationship with your wife, how you treat them, how you speak to them, how you deal with them is all going to flow out of love. If you want to know what it looks like, you got to just look to Jesus. Amen. Because the husband is representative to the wife as Jesus in the marriage. He's he's supposed to walk in that kind of love. And so Jesus loves it. Does Jesus love the church when the church is not doing well? So does the husband need to love his wife when she's not doing well? Okay. All right. Y'all said it. I didn't hear much base in that. Yes. But yes. Right. That if your wife is not doing well, yes, you love her. Then if if here, if you're not getting what you desire from the marriage, do you still got to love her? What if she's not doing her part? Do you still got to love her? But she's not submitting to my leadership. Do you still got to love her? Yes. Period. I like to say it like this. The husbands love your wife. Period. Right. No matter what's going on. No matter how she's behaving, things are going well or not going well. You're being treated good or not. This is God's call upon your life. Love her, period. And it's a need that she has. She needs to be loved in this way. And so think about your relationship with Christ as a Christian. We're all flawed. We fall short. We're imperfect. We don't do it right all the time. But there's a sense that we can always come back to the Lord. And we know we can come back to him because we know he's gracious. And we know God loves us even still. Amen. Husbands are supposed to provide that kind of security for their wife. So let me say what this shouldn't look like, because I've heard of things like this. I've heard of husbands threatening to leave their wife. That's not loving her like that is not providing security for your wife. If there's a sense that that he's threatening to maybe leave or to go elsewhere or to look somewhere else, that's not loving your wife. There should be a sense in your wife's heart that, man, this man just loves me. And no matter what, he is going to be with me and he's not going anywhere. He is just faithful to me. That's that's how we should live as Christian husbands, that our wives should enjoy that level of security that this man just loves me. Now, because love is active and love is action and every woman is different, a husband has to learn how to love his wife. And then the longer you're married, it might change because they change over time. Y'all know that 
That they don't say the same. Who you married? If you got married at 21, when they 55, that ain't the same woman. That's a they got the same name, but you know, but that's she, she different now, right? She, you got to continue to learn how to love them. And so there's no book on this. You got to pay attention. You got to listen to what they say. Love is active. And so I've always said this. I believe it still. If a wife has to ask her husband, if a wife ever has to go to her husband and say, "Do you love me?" That husband is absolutely failing at what is his number one job in the marriage, which is to love his. She should be over the hills like, man, this man is just dumb in love with me. If there's one thing I know about him, I know he loves me. And that's got to be conveyed through life. Some guys want to convey love through, you know, I will buy you something real quick, you know. Here, here, on Valentine's Day, you know, I look at this every year. You see Valentine's Day, a guy that probably ain't loved this woman all year is like, I'm going to go buy something expensive and give her some flowers. There, I love you. <laughs> but love is something that should be, it should be every day, all the time, communicated, verified, experienced. And a woman should be secure in that love because that's how God made them. So if a guy is married to a woman and she's insecure in his love, it's like, husband, love your wife. And then the next thing it says, so... Loving them is a selfless love. It's a love that's not looking to get anything in return. And in particular, it's a love that says, look, it's because I'm not loving you to get something back. If I don't get what I want it back, I'm still going to continue to love you. Right. So, husband, if your wife isn't treating you right, if she's having a bad day, if she's having a chemical imbalance or whatever, those are your moments to like, let me walk in agape. Let me walk in. Let me just love her right now through this. Uh, let me love her through a difficult time. That's what we're called to do. Then it says this, do not be bitter towards them. And I thought that was interesting, right? That it doesn't say, this is the only place it says it here in Colossians, but it says, husbands, don't be bitter towards your wives. How many guys see in the world guys that seem bitter about their wives? You know, what they want or what they demand. In the world, that's kind of the attitude that you hear in the world. Oh, I got to go Let's see what the old lady wants, man. Or, you know, the old lady or even calling your wife the old lady. Like, that's, I don't think that's respectful. You know, it's not a good move or whatever. But it says, look, don't be bitter towards them. And sometimes, husband, if you feel like, man, I'm married and now this woman, she wants my time. She wants my, she wants me to hang out with the guys and guys get busy. You shouldn't have got married then. Their guys that get married, they still want to be single. No, brother, that's she want all of that. She want all your time, all your attention. You shouldn't have got married till you was ready to give all that up, too. Because that's what loving someone is. It's like, now I prefer you. I prefer you above my friends. I prefer you above these other things. I may enjoy some stuff over here, but I prefer you. If you want to hang out, we can hang out. If I'm supposed to hang out with the guys and my wife call and say, hey. The guys today, the guys is going to miss me. You know, that's a fact, right? That the guys, I'll see y'all next time, man. There's some things y'all can't do for me. So I'm off to the, hey, I'm out to the party or whatever. But we can't be bitter about that. If they want your time or desire that you be there, that's part of loving them. When I get invitations to go do things, I don't do this because I have to. I do this because I'm, I'm demonstrating to my wife. I'll say, hey, babe, I got invited to go here or to do that. I run it by her. What do you think? Do you want to go with me? Maybe should I take one of the kids? Or do you want me to stay home? Should I not go at all? I'm preferring her. I'm letting her know that I got these options, but I'm not looking to do something without her. In general, that's not how we're living. I'm, I prefer her. So husbands, love your wives, prefer them. This is all part of having a good marriage, but then don't be bitter towards them. 
Don't treat her bad because her she needs you to be around or she wants more from you. Or maybe your wife is not doing the things that you would like because this happens. I, I'm trying to I'm purveying our audience and seeing what I can and can't get away with saying. But in general, I'll just I'll give some generalities. In general, men have drives that exceed their wives' drives. Y'all with me? Adults, are y'all with me? Just nod and blink. All right. So in general, that's a so that's a that's a general if you if you surveyed a group of men and said, hey, what's a complaint? That's generally a complaint. I don't get what I want as much as I want what I want when I want what I want. And so a lot of guys get bitter about that. And it's like, well, then I don't get what I want. I'm going to treat you like trash. And that's how the marriage starts to look. God says, husbands, Christian husbands, don't be bitter towards them. So you might not be getting everything you want when you want it, how you want it. And God says, and still, I want you to love her. Don't be bitter towards her. Christian marriage should look different. It should taste different. It should feel different. So husbands, love your wives and do not be bitter towards them. Husbands to be, are you good with that? You're going to love the women like Christ loved the church all the time for nothing, with nothing in return. Love, love, love. That's what we're called to do. That's what they need. If you're not prepared to do that, stay single, leave them alone. But again, now let me say this to the guys. If you're seeing a lady, right? If you're interested in someone for marriage, that's what you got to look at and say, wow, you know, one, can I lead her? And two, can I love this woman like this? Some people, I'm just going to say, how many guys would agree that some people are easier to love? There are, there are some people that are just easy to love. It's like, man, just, and then there's some people that are more difficult to love. So if you're out with somebody like, man, I, it's a real struggle. I don't even, I don't, I don't like them half the time and I don't love them less of the time. Then maybe, may not be a good time to pursue anything more with that person. Can you walk in this kind of divine love towards this person? You should be able to provide that. So next what generally will result, not always, but majority of the time, what will result from a marriage of a husband and wife, eventually they're going to result children. And so God says, I got some instruction for Christian children. So how many of you here are Christian children that are still living under your parents' household right now? Right by show of hands. Christian children that are living under mom and dad's. All right. So these would be the rules for you. This would change if you grow up, move out as an adult and you're on your own, but as a child under mom and dad's household, under their order, God says, Hey, I got rules for children, Christian children, children. It says, obey your parents in, in all things for this is well pleasing to the Lord. So God says for a Christian, a child that's a Christian, you should obey your parents in the Lord. It says, because this pleases God. Now, once again, for children, I've asked some of them, so what are the, what are the challenges to this and, and whatnot? And so, you know, there may be Christian children that got parents that are not living up to par. One of the great frustrations I've heard in, in the years I did youth ministry was Christian kids whose parents wanted them to live at this level up here while they're watching their mom and dad live at this level down here. And it's like, you're, you're expecting perfection from me while you're not even living at the level of what you are expecting from me. And it's frustrating for kids. But God says, children, I want you to obey them. Obeying them is part of your relationship with the Lord as a Christian child. You don't obey your parents because they're right about everything, because they know everything. You obey them as a Christian because God told you to. The same limitation to submitting or obeying parents as submitting to the husband for the wife is you would obey your parents unless they commanded you to do something 
that God's told you not to do or, or something that would you know cause you to be in disobedience to the Lord. But in general, children are Christian children should obey their parents. God said this is the one command that he gave that had the promise in Ephesians 6, 4. He says that, you know, children obey your parents and the Lord for this is right. That's the first commandment with a promise. And it says, if you do this, that, that your days will be long on the earth in which you live. And so in general, he said, you're going to live longer as you obey your parents. But the main reason why Christian children are to obey their parents is because it's part of worship. It's part of obeying God. Here's the thing. God puts children in families. That's the first structure and order that you have. It's, it's uh, the husband represents Christ, uh, Christ. The mom represents the church. The children are, are being raised up in that environment. A child that can't submit to and obey mom and dad, in general, these are going to be kids that are going to struggle to submit to and obey the Lord. So when God tells parents to train them up in the way they should go, one of the reasons why we give rules and we give discipline to our children, we're directing them is because we're training them up in the way they should go. Are your kids going to be able to do whatever they want to do with nowhere, right? There's nowhere in the world that's going to let your kid just do whatever they want. School won't let them do it. When they get to go to work, we'll let them do it. And if they have a relationship with God, does God let us do whatever we want to do? No. So when the Bible tells parents, train them up in the way they should go. That means I got to give you some rules and I got to hold you accountable to those rules. I can't let you just go buck wild because this won't help you walk with Jesus one day. It's why we discipline our kids, because does God discipline us? Right. So I don't want my kid to grow up and God spank them. They're like, I can't believe you spanked me. God, I hate you. You know, I want my kid to be like, I, I knew that was coming. Yeah, I grew up. My, my dad, I prepared them for that. You disobey, you, you, you're going to see the man and it's going to be unpleasant, but it's going to be for your benefit. And uh, that's training them up in the way they should go. So parents have their part, but children obey your parents. There's some rebellious kids out there and understand if you get good at rebelling against your parents, probably you're, you're trained, you're practicing rebellion. It'll result in continued rebellion against the Lord. Where does that end? Now, it doesn't end good for you. If you can rebel against God and die, you go to hell when you're done. Amen. So children, obey your parents in the Christian family unit is the way God would have it, that the husband under Christ would lead. The mom and dad would would be unified over the children. The children would be in submission to the parents. That's the family structure where God says, I am glorified in this structure. I'm the Lord of the family unit this way. Christ is the head, the husband under Christ. Wife submitted to husband, mom and dad over the children, leading them, loving them, teaching them, training them, children in submission to mom and dad. That's the family unit, the way that God intended and desires. So children are to obey your parents in all things, for this is well-pleasing. And then verse 21, it says specifically to the fathers, which is interesting, but it says, fathers, do not provoke your children, lest they become discouraged. And another place is father, don't provoke them to wrath. But here it says, fathers, don't provoke your children. At least they become discouraged. So what does that mean? What is, how does a father provoke his children? One way that I've seen this defined is it's just a, it's a constant nagging of a father, not giving their approval, not just, you know, there's some fathers where a kid can never, you can never be good enough. Um, only negative, you know, never uplifting, never building them up, never just always down, 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 down. God says, don't do that. You'll discourage them. Don't provoke them like that. Another thing that can, these other things that can provoke children is, you know, again, having unrealistic expectations of them. 
I've seen dads who they have sports dreams for their own for their kids. And they put their kids in the sports that they failed at, you know, or that they played back in the day. And they, they're trying to make this kid. And it's like the, the kid don't have the build for this. You know, I remember when BJ was little, he wanted to do all he wanted to try everything. He wanted to go wrestle. So I put him in a gym where it was a wrestling gym and he would go to the gym for the wrestling class. And now if you wanted to be there, it was fun because you're going to wrestle with kids and smush faces and crank necks and you know, all this kind of stuff. But there would literally be kids there that didn't want to wrestle. We understand that there are a great many programs you could have listened to today. So we're super blessed you chose to join us on A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. You know those times when it's too hard to be quiet and you just have to speak? Paul finds himself in this position after he hears the trouble false teachers are stirring up in the church in that day. The truth was being twisted, and it was so important to Paul that he wrote a letter to people he'd never even met. Talk about laying aside one's own apprehensions for the good of mankind. Paul specifically shared with them, on a personal level, what he knew about Jesus. We, too, desire to help any and all individuals know Jesus in a tangible way and build a lasting relationship with Him. If this piques your interest, please locate the Know Jesus tab on our website, which is calvaryinglewood.org. All the information you need is right there. Again, that's calvaryinglewood.org. Or better yet, please give us a call at 310-245-4811. We would love to connect with you, just in case you missed it. That number is 310-245-4811. Our ministry is based in Inglewood, California, at Calvary Chapel, Inglewood. If you're in the area, come check us out firsthand. Sunday morning services are at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. For those not in the area, you can live stream our service on YouTube or Instagram. That's all the time we have for today. We look forward to connecting with you again, right here on A Transforming Word.